What did we learn from the Texas A&M loss to South Carolina last Saturday? We're going to talk about it right here on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Joey Ikes. Thanks so much for making Locked On Aggies your first listen. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on the audio side, go check us out over there, Locked On Aggies on YouTube as well. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. I like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. I'm joined again today by my good buddy, Cameron Honesty. And we're going to talk about the Aggies' loss to South Carolina and the five takeaways that we had, the five things that we learned from that game, as miserable as it was. Cameron the first thing, and this is based on an article, Cameron, that you wrote over at Aggies Wire, so please go check that out. The first thing that we learned is that AM's three and four. It's time for Connor Wigman to start for the rest of the season. Talk to me about that take. What's where's it come from? What makes you think it's time for Connor Wigman? And what should we expect to see from Connor as we go? Uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, so he, uh, as we know, at the end of the game, Connor ended up going coming in in the fourth quarter after Haynes King had, I believe, pulled either something in his shoulder. A lot of people thought it was dislocated. I, I don't know if we got a confirmation on that or not, but uh, to kind of preface, you know, Haynes King obviously started the game, uh, you know, played pretty well, I would say, you know, for the circumstances, especially with the O-line, you know, he was getting pressured a lot. But he hung in there, took advantage of what the defense gave him, you know, had a had a touchdown pass on that kind of very unique kind of run out of the pocket, you know, basically almost off his knee, you know, throw to Max right at the goal line where he kind of stretched in. And that was pretty exciting. And that was the most exciting moment we got with Haynes King throughout the night. But what happened throughout the game, and I think both of both you and I had the same uh, type of opinion here of that. You know, every time Haynes is in the game, you just there's no improvement really from what we saw the week before. Now there are minor ones. There's there are minor things in the pocket that we can't blame him a lot. Like I said, because the O line is not performing well at all, and so you can't put everything on the quarterback, but you can put things like holding the ball too long, not going out to your to your you know reading through progressions in a, in a, in a very slow manner. And, and when pressure's in your face, you know, not getting out of the way quick enough. And the most interesting part was when he went out with the injury, we were, I think, uh, I believe South Carolina was up 24 to 21 and then was still squarely in this game. So we could, we could say that, look, if, if Haynes had stayed in and he had the momentum at the quarterback position that maybe they would have drove down, driven down the field and scored and taken a lead. I mean, that's, you know, that's up in the air. We have no idea. But when he went out with the injury, I don't. None of us were happy because we thought, okay, 
we don't want, you know, the freshman to come in right now because it's, it's that moment of the game where the defense is just going to feast on him because he's brand new. He hasn't played at all. And look, when he, uh, when he came in, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty fascinating because he looked, he looked very calm in the pocket. He, he was, you know, not doing anything dynamic, but at the, usually when you have a freshman that comes in in a situation like that, you're going to give him a run play uh, in the first and second down. And then, and then a third down, yeah, it's going to be like a short pass getting to your outlet guy thrown to a running back. But, uh, but off the bat, you know, he, he threw a strike to Donovan green. Um, and then he was thrown again, the next down, I, I, I believe he can, I don't know if he completed the next pass. I really can't remember. But there was a there was just a zip to his throws. There was just a confidence to this kid, and you can see the talent there, and you can see why um, why Jimbo after the game, before the game, said he trusts Connor 100, percent and that if he had to play right now, then he could play. So I mean, we didn't we didn't learn anything um, anything about Haynes from that game, obviously that we didn't know before, but we did learn a lot that Connor and especially. I have, to, I have to talk about the end of kind of garbage time when he was in there just throwing the ball relentlessly. He was making strikes and he was showing his arm talent and his athleticism out of the pocket. And and those were that's all I needed. I think he went eight for 17 with 91 yards. And that's all I needed to see that um, that A&M it should start in the rest of the season. You're you're sitting at three and four. You got some games coming up um against Ole Miss this weekend in Kyle Field you're on the road against Auburn and then the rest of your rest of your games are home or I, I believe you're playing Florida after sorry about that and I believe the rest aside from Auburn are home games so you get to play in front of Kyle Field you get to you get to maybe do some things with Connor in the offense that you couldn't do with Haynes and again look throw out everything this season is a wash and all you can do now is try to win as many games you get to bowl eligibility and uh, and we have to move on. So I, you know, I don't know if he's going to do that or not. I know he, I know he said early on Monday that Haynes is going to be available this week. I don't know what that really means. I, I you know, if he's not healthy, uh, you know, hundred percent, I wouldn't start him anyways. But he's got a choice to make, and you know, look, he's the head coach, and he's going to make that choice. So we'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know you think about the circumstances you talked a little bit about the circumstances of when Connor came into the game. And so, you know, he came into the game basically, you know, a minute or so into the fourth quarter and, and he was, and so it was first and 10, you know, Haynes rolls out to the right, throws an incomplete pass and comes out with a shoulder injury and Connor Wegman, the court, the the true freshman, comes in in, you know, one of the worst situations that you can walk into as a, as an offensive play, as a quarterback, and that's second down and ten, right? And so um, they, the thing about this game that was interesting is that outside of the start to the game, which you know, really important, you know, because it wound up being the difference in the game. Clearly, um, A and M was pretty clearly the better team on both sides of the ball in this game out once it got for 55 minutes of this game AM was the best team or the better team on the field mm-hmm. um and it was that way when either quarterback was in the game um but like you you mentioned it a little bit where the ball just looks different coming out of Connor Wigman's hand and part of that is 
a statement about Haynes. And we've had that conversation before about his release and his timing and all that kind of stuff. And part of it is a statement about Connor. And so, and we saw in that, you, you called it garbage time in that, that time towards the end of the game where it felt like the game was over. Um, but A&M needed to make, needed to make a drive and go down and get points and then turn around and they wound up getting the onside kick and, and yeah. having the chance to, to make the attempt to, to throw the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. But just the difference in the way he was able to just and maybe it was the concepts that were called maybe there's a little bit less trust from Jimbo in Connor in terms of his ability to handle higher level quarterback stuff so he sort of pressed some easy buttons because we've seen coaches have a tendency to do that and you know we're both Dallas Cowboys fans also I've been critical of the Cowboys and that Dak Prescott's an extremely good quarterback Mm -hmm. and because of that up until this year, and then even up through the game against the Buccaneers in week one, they ask Dak to play quarterback on hard mode because he can. Yeah. And so you wonder if Jimbo feels a little bit of the same way with Haynes, where he makes him play quarterback on hard mode, even though he hasn't proven that he's capable of doing that at the high levels. But that's what Jimbo's ultimate realization of his offense is, is a quarterback that can play at that mental level and if you think back to the best year that offense has really probably ever had, the most successful team that offense has ever been associated with, it was Jameis Winston, who, yes, you know, has, you know, Jameis is Jameis, but from a mental understanding of the game and the ability to work through progressions and make reads and, and understand the game, he came into the NFL at an extremely high level. So, you know, he was playing at that level at Florida State also. So, Basically, I think there may have been some easy button pushing for Connor to try to help ease him into the game. But especially on that last drive, and yes, we know defenses play differently in those last drive type situations. Um, it worked pretty well in terms of being able to move the ball. There was a, there was a period, and I, I joked after his first drive on Twitter that he may never throw an incompletion at Texas A&M because <laughs> those first two completions. And, yeah. you know, obviously, that's one of those things that will obviously never come true. <laughs> but it's it's just one of those funny things to tweet. Yeah. But but he he struggled a little bit in the next couple of drives. But then, like you said, he really once they were down by nine, and and A and M got the ball. You know, he really started to to settle in. You know, throws a fifteen yard completion, um, then follows that up with a twenty four yard completion, follows that up with an incomplete pass on a ball broken up, then a pass to Devon A-Chain for 17 yards. And I mean, and by that point, they've moved, you know, 55 yards in four plays and three completions. And like I said, yes, we understand what the what defenses are doing in those situations. But still, we've seen defenses play like that in the past and the ball not moved that way. Um, yeah. And so it was it was nice to be able to see that. And it's it will be interesting to see what he can do with the full game, not coming into the game, you know, already behind in the fourth quarter, having to get a, a game winning drive type comeback situation in the, in the fourth quarter um, from the very moment he steps on the field in the middle of a series after a first and 10 incompletion uh, cold off the bench, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, the last, and the last point you, you said that perfectly. And, and one of the reasons I think he was having so much success at the end of the game and he was hitting Who's he hitting? He was hitting freshman receivers. He was hitting guys who he's been practicing with in the offseason 
for a long time. He's developed a good symmetry with these guys. And that's one of the biggest points I think even Jimbo Fisher is going to take away from this when he wa- when he's been watching the film this week is that this guy just he has a good feel about him. And you're right. I mean, give this guy a full game and he's going to maybe make some mistakes, you know, starting out. And especially, you know, let's say if he starts against Ole Miss this weekend. Yes, I guarantee he's going to make some mistakes right off the bat. Ole Miss is a good team and they're going to look at the freshman and go, well, we can we can disguise some things and mess him up. But once he gets warmed up. Once he starts looking at the field and going, you know, I can do this. And this is one of the most confident kids. That's what we talked about. He's talented, but he is confident. And yep. he is, and you saw that at the end of the game. And that's what's so exciting about all this. So, again, he has a choice to make, but we'll have to see. Absolutely. Before we move on to the next couple of, of points about what we learned against Ole Miss or against South Carolina leading into Ole Miss, as we talk about Ole Miss, yep. I got to tell you guys about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I'm so glad that we have LinkedIn jobs on board with us here at Locked On because as I've mentioned over and over on this show, LinkedIn has been pivotal in my career personally and helping me develop as a professional and have new opportunities. And knowing that on the candidate side, I also know how instrumental it is on the hiring side. And it's extremely easy. Just go to linkedin.com, create your free job posting, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The next thing that we learned is that Texas A&M does not deserve Devon A-Chain. Devon A-Chain had 156 scrimmage yards on the night against South Carolina, 99 yards rushing, 57 yards receiving, had a rushing touchdown. He, you know, we talked about it last week. He accounts for basically twice or a little more than twice the total scrimmage yards as anybody else in the, in the A&M offense. And that doesn't even include what he does as a kick returner. And so, like you said in the article, and it's, it's a a perfectly way, perfectly worded statement is that this A&M team, this A&M offense does not deserve Devon A. Chain at all. Yeah. They, uh, it's, it's sad to see, to be honest with you, because, you know, it doesn't have to do with A&M, the schools, the program specifically. It's just this team. It's just this team. And again, you're not calling out players because they're not, you know, they're not managing this team. And it's just, it's just the fact that every Saturday, you know, he comes out and he basically puts everything on the line. He, <laughs> I mean, you saw, I mean, we just read the numbers out. I mean, 99 rushing, 57 receiving. He was everything offensively in that game. And yes, you know, Evan Stewart stepped up, you know, the freshman wide receiver. 
Um, you know, uh, Donovan Green stepped up. Max Wright stepped up. The receivers finally had one of their best games, I think, aside from the opener against Sam Houston State. But it just gets to the point where you're just, you know, and, and using the term wasted because we're not technically waste. We're using him. You know, Texas a is using him every game. They're relying on him to essentially win the game uh, when the offense has the ball. And, I mean, you just feel for the guy, too, because he's putting everything on the line. He knows he has a future in this game. He knows that he's going to go to the NFL. He knows he's going to be a high pick. And he, he wants to put everything he can on film. But he also cares about winning. And that's the thing we don't ever talk about a lot about these guys, about these high-end athletes. Sometimes, especially some people, some members of the media just talk about how, well, you know, they're, you know, they just come there and and it's about the NFL, you know, just, just come here, put your stats up and then leave. And then, you know, the program was just a, uh, you know, a, a kind of middle point in your life where you just had to, you just had to do it to move on to the real prize. And so th- this is not a chain. We know, we know who he is. And this is a guy who, who specifically came back to, to, to do something special. Here's the same with Damani Richardson, uh, who said the same thing. And, and, you know, reading some of his quotes from Monday, as well, I think that's the same disappointment someone like Alchain is feeling. These are leaders in the locker room. These are guys who have been a part of successful A and M teams, and now they're feeling they're feeling the failure and feeling you know sitting at three and four. Uh, don't, don't really know where to look right now. You're kind of looking ahead and you're looking at the games ahead and thinking, okay, we can win this one. Well, maybe we can win. Well, we can win all of them, but but in reality, you know, it's it's daunting and. But, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the only way I could put it. I, I watched this guy, you know, he's one of the best offensive weapons in the game. He can do even more than what he's doing. Let's, 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 let's uh, remember to say that the, the, we're not even seeing everything he has. And mainly it's the way that Jimbo uses him in the offense. Maybe he overuses him. Maybe he relies on him too much, but at the same time, um, you know, we're going to see him even this weekend, put on a great game. He's going against a, Old Miss defensive front that isn't the greatest. And, you know, I guarantee he's going to put up big numbers. And I don't know if that's going to affect the outcome as much just because of how the rest of the offense is, is working and moving. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's that's really all I could say about that. So Yeah. So so I referenced a minute ago that through seven games, Devon A. Chain has 781 total scrimmage yards and five touchdowns. No, oh, no other player for AM has more than 389 <laughs> scrimmage yards. That's Evan Stewart, um, oh, who, yes, he did miss a game because of the suspension yeah. earlier in the year. But the other side of that that is unbelievable is there's not another player on AM's offense or on the team with more than two touchdowns other than Devon A. Chain, who has five. So that just tells you just how difficult it has been for this AM team to get into the end zone. And, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that. Yeah. But, but first, thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen. For your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today. For the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app where you're listening to it now. YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Cameron, the next thing that we learned sort of goes in conjunction and almost runs opposite to the idea of how good Devon A chain is. And it yeah. speaks to how good Devon A chain is because this Texas AM offensive line 
it's broken right now. Oh god. Yep. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just all right. Let me comp- let me compose myself for a minute. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's when I was writing this, those went hand in hand because I'm just thinking back to not not just the South Carolina game, but really every game aside from Oh well, yeah, I can actually say even Sam Houston State they struggled. They've struggled in every every game this season in seven games. And that um that a lot of that has to do with now we're dealing with injuries, especially against South Carolina. Losing Bryce Foster and a key before the game was devastating. These are two of the most more consistent offensive linemen in the interior. And what you know, what I learned the most is this, Joey, is that Matthew Wyckoff is not where they said he was in terms of progression. And, you know, the snap at the beginning of the game that hit Haynes King's knee. And, you know, actually, I had to rewatch that. I mean, that stuff should not happen at all. And that stuff happening at the beginning of games, especially for Jimbo Fisher coach team, is embarrassing beyond beyond words, to be honest with you. And we I mean, I don't know if we're going to see that again. You all you can hope from that game of how poorly the entire offensive line outside of maybe, maybe Ruben followed I guess he played. Okay. Cam Dewberry played. Okay. For his, for his first uh, full start, I get, I'd have to rewatch, but I think they played. Okay. But overall the performance was poor. Haynes King had pressure in his face. Almost. It seemed every play. I mean, there were only a couple clean pockets I can think of and going to, going back to Devin on chain. You are right. The fact that he has done that on, <laughs> on the ground, through the air, and in total yardage with that offensive line, just imagine him running behind that 2020 offensive line. You know, one of the better ones we've seen in AM history. I, I think he already won. The Heisman would be secured, I think, already. Honestly. I, I'm not even kidding you. So, I mean, this is, this is bad. And when I say broken, I don't think, you know, we both know in sports when you say something is broken – that's as bad as it gets. And that, I mean, really, that means it can't be fixed this season. It can only be slightly mended. And really, I don't know if we can really mend this one. I mean, Wyckoff is going to be back at center. You know, your right side is the only consistency you have. And to be honest, Layden Robinson has not played well this season. He has played <laughs> way under what he, how he was supposed to perform because this was a, this was a guy who was a preseason All-American um a lot of the NFL draft mock drafts in the summer had him as a high second round pick, and he has not played up to that at all. And so, and he, he and look, I love Layden Robinson. He's a good dude. Um, he spoke to, I believe he spoke to Texas this week and basically blamed himself for that he's not playing consistently enough. It's, you know, he's supposed to be the leader on that offensive line. And look, you got to show it, man. You got to show it. You got to show it. You got five games left to show it. And if you don't show it, that's not only going to hurt your future, but it's just going to continue to hurt this offensive line. It's going to hurt the the development with some of these guys because I want – and look, I, I'm happy Cam Dewberry's playing a lot. I want him to get these snaps. I want him to develop early because this could be a guy that could end up starting right away next season. And I do like that um, – um, I'm sorry about that. I lost my train of thought. But uh, that Ruben Fatherly is playing really, – is playing – you know, as many snaps as he is in year two, I believe he's going to be better in year three, but everything, everything that's gone wrong with the offense, you can't completely blame. You can't a hundred percent blame it on the offensive line, but 70%, I would say 
is going to be on the O-line because I think someone someone made a comment um, the other day to me, asked me some of the que- some questions, and I was and he, he he made a comment about Haynes King and what what would Haynes King actually look like in front of a good offensive line, you know, right now, you know, after after working through some of the kinks, and I kind of thought to myself, I don't know, honestly, maybe maybe a lot better, maybe a little better. You just don't know. And I mean, th- this is the thing that that worries me every weekend that we have to focus on, because I find myself uh, writing about how bad this O-line is every week. And I just don't know when it's going to get better. They have another game to prove that. And by they, I mean Steve Adazio, who does not look very good right now as the Aggies O-line coach, to fix what can be fixed. And if it's communication, if it's just simple you know, mismatches or issues where you can switch some things up. And, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's disturbing to say the least to see their performance every week. And it just, it just does not help this offense moving the ball any quicker, any, any, any more efficiently than they can, because we can always hope uh, every week that they do, but I mean, it always comes down to the offensive line. Yes, absolutely. Right now, this offensive line, it stinks. Yeah. And something else that stinks is when you have embarrassing sweat problems. And let me tell you about Pamela. Pamela would hide in the office bathroom every 30 minutes to dry off her armpits so no one would see the wet circles around her arms. She finally has her life back because of sweat block. Pamela was able to fix her problem with sweat block. Sweat block gives you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat. The sweat block wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block, save 20% with promo code locked on two words locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Cameron, the last couple of points from your article what did we learn from the AM loss to South Carolina? We finally got to talk a little bit about the defense and that this yeah. defense continues to shine despite a lot of adversity, both from an injury standpoint and otherwise, and including being put in some pretty rough positions by their offensive team. Yeah, and that's the thing. The when we're talking about AM and I th- and you know, a lot of us have been have been smart to, you know, give them give them their kudos. I mean, they have been, they've been good. I mean, I'm going to say that they have been a good defense. And <laughs> I think a lot of people are like a kind of a novice football watcher kind of sees, um, you know, they see, they, they, they hear about how dominant defense is and they expect them to go out and literally shut down an offense completely and expect to shut out every game. That's not how that works at all. And the fact is that A&M, Anum's defense against South Carolina had maybe one really bad drive. It was at the end of the game when they needed a stop. And Marshawn Lloyd, their five-star running back, that kid runs hard. I will say that. That's that's, that's a good player. And um, but yeah, they just they couldn't stop him. And they were, and I think a lot of that could has maybe has to do with attrition at the end of the game, where you know, guys were beat up, they were on the field a lot, and especially AM did AM did control the ball, I think, for about 30 minutes in that game. So they shouldn't have had too much of a problem in that area. But really, that was the one kind of weakness in that game. But but again, the the way that um they rotate guys, especially on the D line, uh McKinley Jackson had another good game. Uh the linebacker core was very um 
was very light uh, that game. Obviously, Ezra and Cooper sat out, or yeah, he was declared out uh, for the game started. Andre White was back. He made a big impact. Chris Russell had another big game. Um, but yeah, really the the both even the secondary, I think they had a pretty pretty solid game overall. They held um, Spencer Rattler to a to a pretty bad throwing percentage overall, and I think it was under. 100, under 120 yards or something like that. I mean, it's pretty low. I mean, they, they, they did their job and, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that there's not going to be any drop off defensively aside from injuries. And, and, you know, obviously um, Antonio Johnson did dress in for the game. I don't believe he played a lot. I didn't really see him out there. I did, didn't know he dressed, but I don't think I saw him much out there. But um, but overall, uh, defensive leaders uh, stepped up again. Damani Richardson had a pretty good game, and and look, I, every week we go into to another to another game week. I just never have a. I never look back at the tape. I never watch, rewatch the game and think, yeah, this defense is the problem. I'm very excited about the future of this defense. I think DJ Durkin's done a fantastic job overall this season. You know, I I just think that's an area where don't touch it. Just keep it the way it is. Keep rotating these young guys in, especially the freshmen um, who who need as much playing time as possible. It's really cool to see someone like Jacoby Matthews, another very talented freshman uh, safety for the future that may, that actually recovered the ball on the onside kick. That's just another super talented guy that is playing a lot of snaps and is getting in there and getting his minutes. And, and that look, that's good for keeping these guys for the future. So really, I'm not worried at all about about the defense. I'm very I'm very excited to see them on Saturday. I think they're going to have another good game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, none of these losses can really be attributed to the defense. I can say that. I can say that pretty clearly. So, Yes, absolutely. I mean, we spent the first 30 minutes of this podcast talking about how atrocious this A&M offense is. Yeah. And A&M outgained South Carolina by 112 yards in the game. Uh, South Carolina got only 13 first downs in the entire game. Um Eight of those were on third down conversions. They were eight of 16 on third down, which is, you know, 50% is not great, but a lot of those were, were shorter distance third down. Yeah. But, but they rushed for 118 yards. Spencer Rattler committed, completed less than 50% of his passes, 12 of 25 for 168 total yards. So, like you said, an extremely well-rounded quality performance for – the AM defense against South Carolina. And as we move forward and sort of move forward and zoom out a little bit from this South Carolina game, the last lesson that we learned is that with AM at three and four, they're now in a knockdown drag out fight just to get to bowl eligibility by the end of the year with a few tough games left on the schedule. And it, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it would be rough if AM goes two years without a bowl game last year because of COVID and this year because of not qualifying. And it it would just be it would be really rough if AM doesn't qualify for a bowl. It'd be pretty detrimental because we have to look back at the history. I actually did that today. Um I usually memorize this stuff and I and I honestly I think I can do every record for the last like twenty years if I used to be able to do that. But yeah, it'd be um, it'd be the first time I think a losing record in a season since I believe two thousand nine. I think they went six and seven. Uh, I think that was a year that uh, that was a Gerard Johnson season. I, I can't remember, but I think the year before uh, they went four and eight. Uh, that was kind of the 
you know, kind of the start of Mike Sherman era um, or kind of the middle is the start of the middle, but that's how long it's been. And so they, for everybody criticizing A&M and, and criticizing the program, they have not had a losing season in a very long time. So we can't criticize them for that, but you can criticize right now because of where Jimbo Fisher is in year five. This was supposed to be, you know, the, we're going to win 10 to 11 games. And then next year's our year to compete for a championship, but we're going to get very close this season. And when you have, when you have a year like this, where you literally are in a place where you, you couldn't even dream of being three and four right now. It wouldn't have been a nightmare preseason for this team based on just what the roster looked like. So yeah, it's, it's very embarrassing and it can hurt. These type of seasons can hurt programs. I don't think a lot of people think about that. They can, oh, it's just a season, throw it away, start new next year. Well, no, the, it kind of leaves a stain in a way. And, and back to those years we were just talking about, the 2008-2009, A&M couldn't recruit if they tried. They were not getting good athletes. A lot of guys didn't want to go there. They were getting, you know, sub-three-star guys, a couple four-stars here and there. They had to rebuild from the ground up, and Sherman had to kind of rebuild that team like an NFL team, like he did with the Packers years ago. That's why you ended up getting the 11-2 and 2012 team, which was built from Sherman. It worked like an NFL defense. You had a stout offensive line. That's one of the reasons that they had so much success that year. And that's kind of the same with the 2020 season. It's like Jimbo came here. He had, you know, even at the start, he, I think he went nine and four, eight and four. If you look back, pretty successful for a first year head coach transitioning to a program. And obviously throughout, you know, four losses here and there, the 2020 season, like we mentioned, eight and four last season, that's, you know, that it wasn't really acceptable, but it is what it is. We were going into this year. And again, you just did not fathom this at all. None of us did. No, you could ask any Aggie media member of anywhere, any any outlet, any publication. They did not even think that they'd be sitting at three and four. And and looking ahead, you know, you're gonna we're all we're all previewing, still previewing the Ole Miss game. And look, I'm not. We're going an Ole Miss like we would really any game. Ole Miss is fifteenth, ranked fifteenth in the nation. They have their weaknesses like anybody else. They're not strong in every area. They're not a world beater. They're playing in Kyle Field with the team in Texas A&M that should be pissed. They should be going into this, you know, mad as hell that, you know, they've lost three in a row, all of them road games. And, you know, it has been pretty. And they just want to go in front of their home crowd. And Damani Richardson said on Monday, he loves the 12th man like no other. The, the, the fact that these kids were camped out around Kyle Field for a three and four team. <laughs> I mean, we have to remember that this is a three and four team. This is not a winning team right now, but they are going to pack Kyle field yet again. And you got to do it for this fan base. You got to show up. You got to give your best effort, but yeah, really it's, it's old miss. It's Florida. It's on the road at Auburn. It's a UMass game that you should blow them out of the doorway. I mean, blow them out of Kyle field. And then you face an LSU team, which looks very good right now. So it's daunting. Like I said earlier, it's a daunting schedule, but there are games to be won on that schedule. But it just depends what AM team is going to show up. That's what we have to ask every Saturday now. So it's and we can talk about injuries, we can talk about this and that, but but it, it all comes down to what type of effort are they gonna give and what and is Jimbo finally just gonna kind of throw out the old game plan and say, We need to do something new because we need to win some games. Yep, absolutely. Guys, that's going to be our show for today. Thanks so much for joining us. 
I'm your host, Joey Ikes. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cameron Honesty. That last name is O-H-N-Y-S-T-Y. You can find both of our work at aggieswire.usatoday.com. You can find Locked On Aggies on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. Please go check out our YouTube channel if you're listening to us on the audio side. Subscribe there. Leave us a comment in the bottom of the video. Tell us what you learned from the game against South Carolina, what your main takeaways were. If you've got something else outside of the five, or if you've got one of the five, tell us what your favorite one was. Now that you've made Locked On Aggies your first listen of the day, for your next listen, make sure you go check out Locked On Sports today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, guys. We will see you tomorrow.